Welcome in to the Crypto Bunker podcast. Tonight, I want to be going over with you guys the triple halving theory. Um, and this is a theory that was, uh, that was come up with uh, by someone in the Ethereum community. Um, and I probably should. I think it's uh, Nikhil Shamapant is who came up with this. Uh, and you can, you can look it up, Ethereum, the triple halving, if you want to read it. It's a 78-page report. Um, I also, I listened to a podcast with him, and um, it was called The Road to 150,000 Ethereum with Nikhil Shamapant. So really what I want to look at is just analyzing his, his uh, theory here and kind of going through it with you guys. And this will be a quick video. So if you want to stick around to see maybe why Ethereum could hit 150K, then uh, stick around, hit the like button, and let's get into it. First, we really want to look at Bitcoin because this is the original halving cycle that most are familiar with. So usually there's a halving, and then the next year there is a lot of influence on the market uh, because there, there is a scarcer supply. So if you know this, you can take advantage of the price run-up, and so demand for that opportunity increases, which inherently increases price with less supply, more demand. There will be a higher price rise. This allows Bitcoin miners to continue operation where they have to pay for new computers, more computers, you know, employees, electricity, etc. So Bitcoin uses proof-of-work which means Bitcoin miners solve computational algorithms. They secure the network, they validate transactions, and in return, they are gifted new issuance of Bitcoin to do the work necessary to secure the network and give them incentive to continue being a miner. Bitcoin also built into the blockchain has a programmable supply issuance where the block reward that these miners receive is cut in half every four years, which happened in 2020. So they then have to put in more work, which includes electricity, overhead costs, to achieve the same amount of Bitcoin reward. The only way that this is sustainable for Bitcoin miners is if the Bitcoin price continues to go up. Bitcoin miners are on extremely thin margins in terms of profit, this means they're constantly selling that Bitcoin that they are rewarded because they have all these overhead costs. Or, you know, they're at least going to sell probably at the end of these halving cycles. Um, so a year and a half after the halving event, um, they would usually try to sell at the top of the, you know, the, the market. So this is kind of bad for Bitcoin holders when this automatic sell pressure comes in at different times uh, during a market cycle. Uh, especially at the end, which usually creates a topping pattern for Bitcoin, and we see a massive sell-off. For Ethereum, they are also proof of work. But on August 5th, they went from miners getting 100% of the fees of the network to 30%. Um, and this creates a 70% less selling pressure for miners on a day-to-day -day basis. Now, you might be asking, where does that 70% less, where does that um, go? Well, they actually programmed it into 
uh, the blockchain that that 70% of fees will actually just be burned out of existence. Um, so there, there is a way to do that uh, with blockchains, and it's been done before by different tokens. Um, specifically, I think the maker token, uh, when someone issues DAI or dollars on their network, uh, they burn some maker so that people that are holding maker um, you know, directly benefit from that burn. So this is what Ethereum is doing uh, now, and they will do this into uh, the future and into um, you know, in infinity, hopefully. Um, so the thing about Ethereum also compared to Bitcoin is there's never been a supply cap like with Bitcoin. Bitcoin is capped at 21 million coins and will stop issuing those block rewards to miners uh, in 2140. So this, and, you know, in comparison to ETH, well, to ETH, excuse me, um, this unlimited supply of ETH that's always creating more selling pressure for miners. Um, so it's like the more people that are going to mine, the more ETH is then created. And so it creates um, this selling pressure. And so, again, 70% less of that selling pressure is going to make a large difference on the supply and the uh, demand factors with Ether. Um, and so... With this update of EIP-1559, we are almost at the point with some blocks, some of these reward blocks to miners um, are actually negative. And so the block, and I shouldn't even say to miners, just and specifically just the issuance of Ethereum overall is actually starting to become negative in some cases with this burning of ETH because the more and more people that are using the network for NFTs, for decentralized finance, uh, for you know anything, any tokenization of different things, building applications, uh, people using different applications. The more demand for the network, the the more you need the ETH token to do those transactions on those different applications, which means more ETH is being burned um, as a result of this. And so there is you know. Again, some negative uh, blocks that happen on Ethereum in terms of the token being issued. So, again, we are almost at the point where this block issuance of Ethereum is actually becoming negative. So this is creating a, a, an opportunity, potentially, for a supply cap where we are currently. Um, once ETH 2.0 goes into place and staking begins, there's a, there is a good chance that whatever the supply of Ethereum is at that time will be the, um, the highest the supply will ever be in history. Um, as opposed to Bitcoin, again, where Bitcoin is, is going up and up in supply over time um, to reward these miners until 2140 when no one really knows what will happen with Bitcoin and with these miners, because if there's no miners, um, you know, to get these rewards, then there's an issue with the security of the network and um, sending transactions and things like that, um, which some Bitcoin people have thought through. I think it's probably actually the biggest issue um, in reality with Bitcoin is that in the future with all these halvings and um, 
with miners having to do more and more work to get less and less Bitcoin, um, it's going to be detrimental uh, to the security of the network and potentially, I mean, they say, some of the Bitcoin people say, the transaction amounts will be so large that that's actually how the miners will get paid is through the transactions. I'm not sure about that because uh, Bitcoin is meant to be held forever and not really used. So I don't know what transactions they're exactly talking about with that. Um, I think if that, that would, it would basically be a scenario where Bitcoin has to become the world reserve currency if it's going to have that amount of transactions to then pay the miners to secure the network in the future. Um, so what Ethereum is going into um, at the end of the year is ETH 2.0. And ETH 2.0 involves proof of stake, which means that you are putting up your Ethereum to the network through your computer, very low cost, uh, not really much involved in it. And you are earning from, say, 6% to 20% or so, depending on how you're staking. And you uh, putting up your Ethereum is actually going to secure the network, validate transactions, and then, you, again, you will be paid a reward in this staking scenario. Um, you're most likely going to be incentivized to then take that stake and restake it, uh, to just keep restaking it, uh, because then you're just always earning more and more Ethereum as they issue these rewards. Um, so there really, at that point, will be zero Ethereum miner selling pressure because no miners will exist. Uh, all security and validation will, again, come from the people who are staking, and that's how it will go for, for um, into the future. This all-encompassing will create a 90% reduction in selling pressure from what we talked about with EIP-1559 and also staking into next year. Bitcoin will be expanding in supply while Ethereum is decreasing in supply meaning that if there are 117 million Ethereum, when staking goes through, we may never see that number again. It will always be going down. And the, the demand for Ethereum will always be going up because of um, all the applications that are built on Ethereum. Think about decentralized finance, peer-to-peer -peer lending, uh, taking out uh, loans, um, you know, earning interest on your uh, U.S. dollar stable coins, um, things like that on de decentralized finance, and then NFTs, which is like the tokenization of everything, which I think a lot of businesses will take advantage of. So don't be surprised if when all of this goes through that we start to see not only institutions and hedge funds get into this, but we're talking about companies who are going to be using NFTs who are going to want to own Ethereum, right? Like companies like eBay, if they are providing the access to NFTs, which they say they will, they will need to own Ethereum to pay for those gas fees that are associated with doing transactions on the Ethereum network. Uh, so ETH, again, is the digital oil of this new internet where, um, you know, a lot of things are going to be happening. Um, gaming is a huge thing also. Um, so there's going to be video games built on Ethereum where you can have verified um, assets that you find within the game. And then you, um, you know, you can sell them as NFTs or keep them or whatever you want to do with them. So, again, 
Based on all of this, there is no reason to not expect Ethereum to be a $10 trillion asset, which would mean it would be reaching 100 to 150K in that process. And they will pay you to hold it and not sell it. Um, so it, it actually could become a situation where it's e-liquid, uh, meaning that if a, uh, you know there's people that want to take out all their Ethereum and sell, it might actually move the price quite a bit because there's not going to be a lot of people um, selling uh, to the to these people who are trying to buy. So there will be more buying demand, obviously, than supply. Um, and as we see an exponential gain in uh, wallet addresses, uh, you know, we see the price of these assets going up over time. And so it's a foregone conclusion. Um, and I and I think that because it's decentralized, it, there's a, you know, I don't really think that governments can do much about it. I think eventually they will probably have to participate. I don't think that they were ready for all of this. Uh, and I just don't think they have the time to try to shut it down. Uh, they did pass like an amendment in um, this infrastructure bill, but it doesn't go through till 2023. And I think by then uh, we'll be able to fight it off in court or make another bill or amendment that will then change that, hopefully. So, um, yeah, so that's what, really why I'm you know super bullish on Ethereum. Uh, and I just want people to understand um, that we're really early. And this is, an, uh, again, this, this is the opportunity of a lifetime. Uh, none of this is financial advice. It's basically just me going over um, the, you know, what's going to be happening with Ethereum and, and, the, and the facts with that. Um, there could always be a freak situation that uh, something happens, you know, and maybe this doesn't uh, increase in price. But, uh, you know, take the, the facts as they will be and, and make your own decisions based on that. Uh, and, you know, please subscribe to the YouTube channel, The Crypto Bunker, and like the video, maybe comment, you know, tell me what your Ethereum price prediction is. I would love to hear that. Uh, I'd love to hear from you in, in any many different ways. You know, if you have a question, feel free to comment on my YouTube uh, or my Twitter at crypto underscore bunker. And that's it for tonight. Hope you guys have a great night and have fun. All right.